What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Self Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And our sweet, sweet Taylor Tomlinson is unfortunately not able to be here today. She's sick. She has to go to Tempe for some shows, but uh, we miss you, Tay. We love you. Yes. <laughs> uh, we are joined, though, today by uh, a guest I'm so excited about. Um, We've been wanting to have him on for a while. It's Cy Amundsen. Dude, he is hilarious. He's so and he was so funny. good. I learned so much. Yeah. So he's a hilarious comedian. He's the co-host of the Middle of Somewhere podcast with uh, Chad Daniels. Cannot recommend this podcast enough, you guys. It's my favorite comedy podcast. Um, and Cy came on to talk about having OCD. Yeah. Which is something that we've wanted to discuss on here for a long time. Absolutely. And yeah, he talks about, um, you know, a traumatic, a couple of traumatic experiences he had and, um, you know, how it's affected his relationship and all that stuff. So he really, he really dives into a lot of uh, personal details, which yeah. is, I always really appreciate because it really gives you yeah. a glimpse into the, the, the mindset of somebody who's going through something like that, you know? Yeah. He was so open. Yeah. Um, I thought something that was really cool was him talking about the therapist that his, I'm sorry, the methods his therapist uses. Oh my gosh, those are fascinating. I know. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really interesting um, look at OCD, you guys. So we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed talking with him. We, yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, this is his experience. We know that all, all experience with OCD is different and yeah. he talks about that a lot as well. So this is, you know, going to be one in, in many episodes that we do about obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. Um, if after listening, if you guys want to follow up with us via email, it's always selfhelplesspodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you guys want us to, like Delaney said, do more specific things with OCD going forward, um, other episodes on it just let us know and tell us what your experience is with it if you struggle with OCD yeah so uh, without further ado here is our interview with Cy Amundsen 
Hello. I'm so <laughs> thrilled to be here. Do you know how hard it is for me to not introduce you as Siagra Amundsen? <laughs> I I appreciate I had to record with Chad today, so I've had my fair share of bullying. So yeah. the fact that you didn't was nice. Thanks. I still had to slip it in though in some way. Yeah. I'm sorry. Backdoored it. It's okay. I can deal with it. Okay. You are our first call-in video guest. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it's a deal. nightmare, isn't it? I don't this angle is shocking. I look like I look like somebody poisoned the machinist. It's not good. This is not a good vibe for me. And uh, and honestly, the quicker we get through this, the faster I can get home and criticize all the choices that have led me to this appearance. I mean, I've no shit. I've walked around. No one knows what I look like, but I've I've let myself go since the last time I've done anything that anyone has seen. And so I've got this long hair and beard, and it's a top camera angle. And I just like. Holy shit, man. I've never seen it from this spot before, and it's not, it doesn't feel sweet. But, I'm, I, but I am excited to be here. I had to say, before we started recording, Sai said he looks like a guy who's eaten a cat, and that was such a great description. I mean, you like, look you look fine, but I also understand what you're saying. That- part of it's, I'm going to say part of it's the angle, but like right now, if I told you guys, like if you told your guests, like Sai's here today because he's the only comedian in America with rabies, you'd be like, that checks out. That's that's oh what is that's what his hair is saying. You po- oh my god! You posted a picture on Instagram. It wasn't that long ago, but it was you holding a baby. But you like your facial expression as you were holding the baby made me kind of concerned for the child because it looked <laughs> like it looked like the baby was sitting on the Lincoln Memorial. Like you just looked yes. so corpse like. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Is he okay? <laughs> Like, if you ever get the chance to pose with your significant other or a baby or a family member of any sort and you don't make yourself look like you're ill or of, like, just like that you're falling. I don't know. What are you doing with your life? I'm I'm a big, I'm a big, should that guy be holding that baby picture taker? I think it's very funny. Oh, well, you Um, really... Really went for that opportunity, and Instagram thank appreciated you. it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look at it. Um, so, Sai, uh, your podcast, Middle of Somewhere, has quickly become my favorite comedy podcast. Uh, thank you. Yeah, you and Time Suck are the two I listen to the most. And um, one thing that you have spoken about very candidly is your um, struggle with OCD, and yeah. also kind of the unconventional methods your therapist has used to help you through them. So we just want to d- dive in on all of that and talk to you about yeah. it. So let's let's dive in. Let's do it. <laughs> can, you, uh, can you take us back to uh, the beginning of, of when you realized you had OCD? Like, has this been a, a whole life thing or in later in life? Um, I had, uh, you know, I was probably looking back on it. You know how when you're an adult and you, you start to understand things about yourself and then you look back on your childhood and you go, oh, that, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Like I was a pretty superstitious kid and a a pretty nervous kid and a pretty worried kid, but not to any like clinical sense, you know, I, uh, I was, you know, just probably more of a worrier than most. And then uh, when I was 18, I had a rough couple months. I had uh, I had a drug thing that my that I did not react well to, mm-hmm. and then I had a sister pass away in a car accident three months after that. And uh, those were both pretty big traumas. 
yeah. uh, each in their own regard. And somehow, like, I was left with this anxiety after the drug incident that I didn't understand at all at that time. I had just thought that I, you know, had uh, fried my brain, basically. And it was, it was, it was weed. I, you know, I, I am a person who has, for whatever reason, I can't be around it. The reaction that it gives to me, like, it almost ruined me, right? Wow. And so, uh, and it took months and months and months to come back from it. And I, I, I was kind of had that vibe that I had, like I said, fried my brain, which wasn't accurate. I, I didn't, I just didn't understand what anxiety was and those sort of things. And I, I finally was like searching on Google as like a, an 18 and a half year old kid. And I, <laughs> I self-diagnosed myself with PTSD. <laughs> Okay. Like I was looking up the war shit and I was yeah. like, yeah, it's kind of like war except with this. Right. And <laughs> this, so edible. To- <laughs> this edible really fucked me up. I was in the trenches. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to this, uh, I went to this therapist and in my small hometown and I was like, I think I have PTSD. And he was like, uh, maybe let's talk about it. Yeah. And he was, he wasn't terrible, but he didn't really help a ton, but I, I was able to, slowly understand that it was anxiety and pull myself out of it. And part of it, I started developing OCD. And have you, I've listened to a lot of your guys' episodes, but you haven't talked about OCD on here, have you? Did you talk about it early? Little bit with uh, Brian Regan, I think. Mm. He revealed some stuff about his OCD. Yeah, we've touched on it. We haven't done a full episode. We wanted to bring you on for our first full one because we thought you'd be such a great guest to like. What with the way I look. Yeah, yeah I get it. And so uh, the, the, it's, it's, it's very, it's one of those things that can be so different for so many people and can vary from like minor to major and can manifest in so many ways. But it's you know, the basic concept is you have obsessive thoughts that give you some version of anxiety and you commit compulsive behaviors that you believe soothe that anxiety and protect yourself from the ramifications of those thoughts, right? Right. And so I just developed it without even understanding what it was or that I was developing it to help myself deal with that difficult time, right? And then by the time I hit like 1920, I went to a therapist in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And uh, that guy was like, this is what you have. This is what you're doing. And I worked through it a little bit. But honestly, I was like a real piece of shit when I was 18 (laughs) years old, like as a person. Okay. And as hard as the year that followed was, I really turned my life around personally. Like I started valuing my relationships and my, and prioritizing my family and starting to, I started treating people right and just being the type of person that I was proud of. And so it was weird. The OCD became like this, almost like a badge of honor. Like I went through this horrible shit and I came out on the other side a better person, mm. and I kind of have this weird thing to show for it. Mm. Uh, so I lived like that for like seven years. And then when I was 26, I had this major panic attack that came out of nowhere that shut me down for months again, like agoraphobia, mm. this sort of stuff. I was having like family members come like stay with me at, at my house or at my apartment and stuff. And I, again... Slowly, I found a, that's when I learned about cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And I, I found this other great therapist and she worked me, I had this great book called the Panic Attack Workbook that showed me 
like this diagram, they called it the panic attack circle. And, oh. it, and it was like how like if you don't remove yourself from the circle, how it just continues to feed itself over and over and over and over again. Do you remember the specific so I, parts of that panic attack circle? Do I remember it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but the thing with anxiety attacks is people think it's all in your brain. Well, it's not all in your brain. The symptoms you feel are real. Like people right. have a, their heart really races. Yeah. Their vision really narrows. Their sweat really happens. They they get dizzy. Whatever their symptoms are, they're actually real symptoms. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And so what happens is those, if, if you've dealt with anxiety and you have, uh, and then you're stuck in this circle, if you have one of those, you view that as like a, oh shit, oh no, here comes the anxiety. So that keys you off. And then you start on the circle. And as you're going around the circle, instead of right here at the beginning, you, you, you need to tell yourself, and it's so much easier said than done. I'm not telling people what to do, <laughs> but the goal is to tell yourself, these are just symptoms. Right. Mm, okay. This is this is this is just like having the flu. My oh. heart racing. All these. They're just like having the flu. Take it. It's gonna suck. It's gonna last a little while, but it is gonna end, and you're gonna get through it. What happens is often you're not able to do that, and then you go into fight or flight mode, and you freak out, and it floods, and it's horrible, and it feels like it's never gonna end. It's never gonna end, and it finally it does end. But it was so scary that the moment it ends, you're stuck in anticipatory anxiety looking for the signals like the heartbeat or the dizziness that made you that. So now you're walking around like that and then you get the symptoms again and then you just, you're stuck in this circle over and over and over and over again. Oh, wow. And so, and, and some people have had it way, way worse than me. Um, I was fortunate to work with a good therapist and I, I still, even telling you that there's this voice in my head that doubts whether or not I have the skill to pull that off. Okay. Uh, but, but that is the cognitive behavioral concept, uh, behind stopping it. So I, Hmm. I was through the course of like half a year able to kind of pull myself out of that anxiety issue And then I've just kind of had uh, OCD ever since and kept kind of being okay with it. And then, as you've probably heard on our dumb podcast, (laughs) I developed like this back issue uh, like four years ago. And it somehow has become a chronic pain issue. And I've never been a guy who's injured in my whole life. And I had a rheumatologist be a real asshole to me 
but probably say some important stuff where he's like, you know, this is people with OCD and chronic pain. They get stuck in this and it's, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I, I kind of developed the theory that maybe if I work, I'm, I'm about to say some things that sounds like I know what I'm talking about. I, sh- I certainly don't. It's just kind of <laughs> what good. I've read. But if you have OCD, you know, that can affect your the GABA in your brain and your mm-hmm. GABA receptors. And, and it's been posited that those people can have a smaller hypothalamus. And if you go look at all the symptoms for people who get stuck in chronic pain where their brain just gets turned on and sensitized to pain, they also have issues with GABA and their GABA receptors. And they also mm-hmm. have um, you know, hypothalamus issues in terms of size, at least that theory's out there. And so I started thinking like, uh, it might be time to try to kick this OCD thing's ass and see if it can have a positive effect on some of the other bullshit that I'm dealing with. Because yeah. it's, like I said, I've had, there are people who have worse OCD than me, but I, I was at the point where even though I'm uh, happy to be a functioning adult, I would say every single action I would commit all day long, every single one had some level of OCD tied to it. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and again, it like, there's some people who it's like stuff has to be clean, right? They need, they shower in a certain way. Mine, because it's so tied to all these negative memories I have from when I was 18 and when I was 26, I made up a fictional term, uh, negative nostalgia, I call it. Yeah. Like I have all these negative images that anytime they they come up in my brain, like I, I the OCD runs rampant. And then that just creates that just cements them in there. So it's always going. And it's not just there are some things that are that I that I do a lot of, uh, like opening doors, going through doorways, but it, it can be anything. It's it's not so it can be how I walk into a place. It can be how I pick a plate up. It's every, I found myself every physical action that I would commit throughout a day long had some version of OCD tied to it. And it's, it's probably been that way since I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. And, uh, but I, it, like I said, it was, it finally got to the point where I was like, oh, maybe this can have a, an all around benefit on my health fixing it. And how many years ago was this? The how, when it all started? No, when you were kind of at that that breaking point of like, okay, I'm gonna really go in hard. Oh shit! Last January. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> so, Got you. So and I, and I started with the therapist last spring, and and really have gotten into it as of this summer. So. Okay. And so it's very it's very new. Yeah. And are you? I want to talk to you more uh, in detail about the things your therapist has been having you do because that's been fascinating to hear about on your podcast. Um, But just quickly out of curiosity, do you find that now there are fewer things you're doing throughout the day that have a tie to your OCD? Or does it still feel like most every action you take, you're still sensing some sort of OCD with it? Um, Well, I, I certainly think that I am more educated yeah. Than, than before. And I think the thing that I've really had to learn, and, and my therapist, he is incredible. He's an incredible guy. It was funny when I was like, when I finally decided to do it, I, I knew that I needed to have a therapist who wasn't like a boring douche. 
And so I was, I was calling around and I was listening to therapists answering machine messages to hear what their voices were. Oh my God. Oh, you can tell so much though from that. That's funny. Well, there was a guy who was like, hello, this is Dr. James. I was like, fucking click. And so I got a young guy and I got him on the phone and I was like, I started cursing and just trying to make him laugh just to get his vibe. And I could tell that we were a good mix. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's, I think it has really, it it definitely has improved in some ways. And it's, there's been periods of major improvement, but it's, I I try not to look at it that way. I try to look at it just understanding what our end goal is because I, my back was pretty bad this summer, and so there would be weeks where I couldn't do the homework that he and I discussed, and I couldn't accomplish some of the things because I was stressed out in some other ways. Yeah. And he was always so great to be like, it's not, we don't have to do this at a certain pace. This is about doing it correctly. Mm. So I, I I feel like we are walking towards the goal, and, and so therefore we are improving, but it's it's hard to measure it specifically, I would say. Yeah, that's such great advice that he gave, though, to take that pressure off of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, and, and uh, it's it's been, the last couple of weeks, I've been really, really busy with some work stuff, and, uh, and even in that, when I come in, you know, I, I feel that shame where I'm like, hey, I didn't do the shit you asked me to, and his response is just like, hey, dude, that's what it is. It's, as long as you're aware of that, and, you know, that's not the case for two months in a row, yeah. It's it's just about continuing to focus on the goals and and put effort forth of some sort. Yeah. Totally. Um I'm just curious to know like what 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 kind of like what happens in your head like when you're experiencing like an an OCD moment or whatever like we just mentioned like the action of putting a plate down or something. What what are the what's the thought process and and stuff that's happening? So I I have an like I have a lot of irrational fears. Um I think the main three ones are someone I love is going to die. My physical health with my back and stuff is Mm -hmm. going to get worse and I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life or my mental health is going to be worse Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. And unfortunately, because of each of those things, uh, you know, my, uh, my mental health has struggled a couple times in my life and they were, it was pretty dramatic. And so I have a lot of images and memories from those times that are some, that are stuck in my brain and yeah. we lost my sister and, you know, and then I hurt my back. So I, I have actual history to think on and stuff that gets cemented in my brain. But let's, let's say I'm in the kitchen and, I go to pick up a plate for whatever reason. And I, I don't know how to explain this, but whenever I go to do something, so I'll reach to grab a plate and I'll like worry that my uncle Craig is going to die. Mm. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then my brain goes, okay, you know, if you pick this, it's kind of like you're always making deals with yourself. And again, everybody's is different. Yeah. Every, it's such a unique disease. Uh, but for the most part, they, they can be so strange to each person. But so I'll pick up uh, the plate three times and I'll tell myself, okay, because I did that, Uncle Craig is fine. You know, which is obviously very, very irrational, but it's the power of of the thoughts is is generally pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, who unfortunately couldn't uh, be in today uh, because she's sick, she had touched on that before on the podcast that that was 
how her um, OCD experience had gone when she was younger. I'm not sure how much she still struggles with it now, but it used to be kind of that exact thing of like, if I touch this glass or this spoon a certain way, it could create harm for a family member. Yeah. Yep. Um, Yep. My OCD, I still struggle with parts of it. I think a lot of it is tied to like ultimately germophobia, but, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you experience this with yours, but I think I have dealt with some OCD for such a large portion of my life that I don't even notice I'm doing it anymore. And it won't be until I'm around other people that I'm like, oh, if they, if they just noticed me doing that just now, they'd be like, what is she doing? But like, I'm always hyper aware of how germy my phone is. So if mm-hmm. I wash my hands before I eat and I'm eating something, but then I want to check my phone as I'm eating, I will make a very strong mental note. You just opened your phone with like your right thumb and then you scrolled with your right index finger. So don't like you have to eat the rest of your meal with only your left hand. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, something I, I still struggle with. Yeah. I, and I think I might be a little different in the sense that like I got, it was so, so when it was at its probably worst originally, I was living with my aunt and uncle and I was going to college and I would get done with classes as like, at like two o'clock and, you know, I'd have to drive into class and again, think every action, opening a door, locking a door, walking downstairs, walking, like any line you saw on the ground, I, I would get, and I, had, I did a lot of things where I'd go back and redo something. So if I like, I walked across a hill weird, I'd go, oh, I got to do that again. And so oh, okay. there was a lot of that. Yeah. And I would get home and it would be like one o'clock in the afternoon and I would just have to lay down on the couch because I was so worn out. I'd just be done for the day. Wow. And so I got to the point that I was able to, like, I got really good at hiding it. Like really, really, really good at hiding it where I I didn't have that level of exhaustion with it, thankfully, anymore. But I would, if I was out somewhere, I would still be doing stuff constantly. But if I knew I had to circle back and do something, I became such a psychopath with people (laughs) like, oh, hey, I left my thing in there. And they'd be like, he sounds like he left his thing in there. I believe him. Like I I was a master (laughs) of hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Will you tell us about the the methods that your therapist has used with you and is using with you to help you through the OCD? Uh, well, his main thing is, you know, CBT and specifically ERP, which is exposure response prevention therapy. Okay. And so basically... You're ex- and I'll do my best. You're exposing yourself to the thoughts and not 
preventing the response, right? And then things are turning out okay. Mm -hmm. So his, his theory is that you can't really... If you're focused on stopping your, this is my theory. If you're focusing yourself on stopping obsessing, that's a very difficult thing to do. What you have to do is if you take the power away from the obsessions themselves. So let's say I am scared that my uncle Craig is going to die, right? Yeah. And I go to walk through a door. The basic, the basic concept is, where normally I would open the door three times, I have to just literally walk through that door, be okay with the fear, and understand that nothing I'm doing is causing my Uncle Craig's death. Uh, he that's, that's a little easier said than done when it's so intertwined into your person. Yeah. So we've done a lot of different things. The first thing was he would have me just sit in the chair and he would just like... So when my back got really bad for the first time, it happened when I was in Tampa, Florida with my brothers and my nephew. And by the way, even saying that sentence right now makes me feel OCD-ish. Really? And yeah. Yeah. And so, and I like, I have all these memories, like that entire trip, all the shit we did, all the TV we watched, all the places we went. If I think of any of that shit, it's so connected to the back injury and every, all the miserable times that I've had since then that I just feel awful when I think about that shit. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things we did was I would sit there and he would just have me basically like go through and tell him about all the shit in Florida. And, And just from like, you know, then we went out, uh, we went to the gym and then we went to the golf course and I would just literally having to say the words out loud that have been stuck in my head and causing me stress was like this incredibly powerful activity where we would just, we would sit there and we would do it over and over and over. I would list the whole thing out and he would go, okay. And then he'd ask me, where's your anxiety right now? All right, let's do it again. Just over and over Mm. and over. And with different parts of my life until I became a lot more comfortable at discussing things and actually verbalizing some of my, some of my concerns from there, it was, you know, Now we need to take, because my big thing is with actions, right? Yeah. So now we need to take this thing out and put it into action. And so the first thing we did was the first time we did it, he's in this big building that's got all these businesses. And we went downstairs and he would basically like give me a task. He'd like go, I want you to walk all the way down the hallway, go into the bathroom and come back to me. And when you feel those obsessive thoughts and you want to be, you want to do compulsions, do not do the compulsions, behave without compulsion and come all the way back here. And there's the interesting thing with that is there's two kind of ways to do that. There's one where you just kind of ignore it. So you're walking down the hall and you think my uncle Craig is going to die. And you just, you go, that's, I'm not paying it. I'm not doing any OCD. I'm not going to pay attention to that, right? I'm just going to live my life and keep going. The other one that is surely more difficult is uh, you bring the thoughts on. Okay. So if I'm walking down the hallway and I go, my uncle Craig is going to die. Well, then you die, like, well, you're not committing the compulsions, going into the bathroom and coming back. Well, you're completing this, uh, this activity. Uh, you 
bring you you dive deeper into that you go oh no what if he does die and then you start thinking about the time your sister died and then you think of all these other fears and thoughts that are the images that normally bring you anxiety surrounding that singular topic and you just let your brain run and just think of it think of it think of it and then it jumps all over the place so it's like this really intense thought exposure thing wow. and so we kind of did a little bit of both of those and um and probably when you were saying unusual methods, uh, Kelsey, <laughs> probably one of the things that you were referring to, he's like, he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, I, we, we found out one of the things about me is I was, I would kind of cheat. Like <laughs> if he would be like, go down into the bank, I would, I could think so far in advance yeah. that I, I could kind of scam the activity, you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. It was just what was happening, you know? Yeah. And I think that's maybe a comedian thing where you're able to have a couple things going on in your brain at once. Like you can be talking to a crowd, thinking of your material and also thinking of something else. Yes. So I think I was able to be doing multiple things. So we, for a while, we had to do a thing where I would have to follow him around this building and do everything he did. So I had no control of the actions. So I, looking like I look, like a fucking, you know, like I own, like a guy who owns machetes. I, I was following this guy around this business building. Like he would open a door and I'd open a door and he'd go in the bathroom and I'd go in the bathroom. And I remember... We went in the bathroom and left one time and as we were leaving, like, cause he would walk in and he'd go into one of the stalls and then he'd go out and I would follow him in, go into the same stall and then follow him out. And I remember they're like, I had a number of bathroom, uh, interactions with people, but one, I remember us going in and out and a guy goes, what the fuck? You just heard him say that as we were exiting. Look like Buddy the Elf, like oh somebody who's not a God. part of society that's just like following his dad around. Oh like, what are we doing God. in here? <laughs> Oh. And then we had, we had to go away from that because I start I started to think it would be funny as we were following him around to talk to him. So like we would be walking into the bank and I'd be like, Dad, 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 and I'd like I'd try to out him for sexually harassing me at work and stuff. Like you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have kissed me if you don't love me. Like I was like a real asshole, and he thought it was funny, but he's like, All right, dude, we gotta we gotta pull this shit together. And so. It kind of, it was interesting because it kind of like, we would do a lot of that stuff. And then it, it gets to the point where, you know, you have to do a little bit of it at home. And I remember last spring, I started doing a couple things where like, there's this sign that bothered me that I hated looking at. And so I started, I, I intentionally looked at it every mm. time I drove by it. And eventually it became normal and I could do it. So I had a few victories in the, in the spring and then late summer into, you know, I think maybe in August, he was like, we made this goal like, hey, you should go home and maybe spend 20 minutes in a row doing exposures like we do here in the building, right? Yeah. And so my wife and I went to the mall and because I need somebody, it helps to have somebody give me tasks that I can't control again, right? I don't right. choose them. You tell me what to do. So my wife and I went to the mall and for like two hours, she just gave me activities and I did the thing where I brought the thoughts on, 
right? Just went through them. And then the next weekend I did it like, uh, like for four hours and then the next day for three hours. Um, Eric, who's, you know, my producer of middle of somewhere, who's helping us with this whole video thing. He, one day he was here when I was doing it. He left. I made him text me a big list of activities so that I could walk around and do exposures and bring on the thoughts. And so I, like I went, I went through a, like a period where I was really going at it. And, yeah. uh, and to what you said earlier, like, did you see some effects at that point? I did. It was really gnarly. Like I started, I would still have like some of the anxious, obsessive thoughts, the obsessive compulsive thoughts yeah. later in the day, but they, they, they genuinely felt like they were less powerful. Wow. Wow. You know, I still, I still wasn't battling the big ones. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there, there, this is going to be a really long process. Um, but I, I did. And, and since then I've had a lot going on and I, so I think I've maybe not backslid, but I haven't been as focused and able to continue that level of climb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're at a point where, where things are really, it it was interesting. You could, you could see his methods and you could see when they were in action that they do have some positive effects. Yeah. Can you share the method too about um, making a list and keeping it in your pocket? (laughs) So um, I was in there one day and he's sitting in his chair and he he goes, I'd like to do an activity. And I go, okay. And he pulls out a whiteboard from behind his chair. And after I got done making fun of his whiteboard for five (laughs) minutes... He told me, I was like, sweet whiteboard, doctor, Um, you fucking nerd. And it was like, it was like the chodiest little like elementary whiteboard. It's like, you're, dude, I'm paying you $180 an hour. You can't go out and get a fucking adult whiteboard. It might as well have had like a colored triceratops on it. It was fucking ridiculous. A Lisa Frank kitten in the corner. Yeah. And so he, uh, he, his idea was, he goes, I want to, I want to list your, I want us to list your, your fears in order. I want to make a fear hierarchy. And I was like, uh, no, no, thank you. That sounds like the worst shit in the history of the world. Let's like, uh, like I said to him at the time, I was like, I'm not. I'm not doing some fucked up March madness of the things that scare me. Like I'm not doing that. That sounds awful. Uh, but I, he had been pretty right so far, so I had to trust him. So me and me and him, we made a one through ten of the things that made me nervous. And and here was his thing. He and then and then he. By the way, he printed off a copy of it. Like he typed it into his computer and printed off a copy and is like, I want you to carry this around with you in your pocket. Wow. And I was like, All right, what are you, is this some sort of uh, experiment Voodoo that you and shit. some colleagues have going on? There's no way, like I, I have enemies. Like I, I, like I have, there's grudges that still exist for me in this world. There's no way I'm carrying around a map to the things that I'm the most afraid of. Like I'm not, I'm not doing that shit. Like it's, and by the way, what if, and this is what I said to him, I go, what if I get hit by a fucking bus and they're like searching my corpse? Like, who is this guy? I don't know, but check this shit out. They just pull out a list of fears. So I, but he, but he, he had good reason. So yeah. here was his thing. He was like, 
and 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 you remember earlier when I said, and it's happened a number of times on this podcast. Like when I've described to you events from my life that stress me out, those are tough to vocalize. So even vocalizing things with him were difficult. So yeah. to that point, he's like. Writing these things down is difficult. Looking at the words on the board is really, really a difficult thing to do. So that's a big step. Yeah. And then carrying that around with you, he's like, if you open it up and you look at the list, that's an exposure. That's you getting used to the things that are bothering you. That's all part of this. And it doesn't mean that, like, I think there are different methods that work for different different people. And I don't like the list method. <laughs> I like some of our other methods. <laughs> right. But like, it, it totally made sense to me. And uh, then, you know, and I think this is something that I said on our podcast too, Kelsey. I found it like he... He was like, he goes, that's not even the craziest thing that I've ever had anybody like carry around with him. I was like, are you bragging? Is that what you're doing right now? Are you boasting right now? And uh, he told me that, uh, and it, it totally makes sense. Like, let's say people who have irrational thoughts like intrusive thoughts. Right. Like one, one that's fairly common is, oh, I'm going to cheat on my significant other or, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to turn gay. And I know people are born gay. I'm not, right. nobody needs to uh, Twitter cancel me. I'm right. just, I'm saying that's <laughs> or like, like a, I'm going to like kill my spouse. Like that's a really yes. big one too, right? Yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to kill gonna, myself. Yeah. I'm going to kill my spouse. Right. I'm going to do something horrible. Like, right. and turning gay is not horrible again. Right. I just keep backtracking, but it's like <laughs> something. Just digging that hole deeper, deeper. <laughs> I mean, and pretty soon, you know, you'll be a man who wears the color pink. I'm and, just going to uh, put this on so, loop for the promo. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, the, the, the thing, like to further explain the game, one, it's not that you're worried about being a homosexual. It's that you've built this life with your partner and yeah. you're worried that all of a sudden their world and your world are going to be completely changed. And it's an Absolutely. irrational thought, right? Yeah. And so what you, you know, there's a number of exposure methods with writing stuff down. And I truly don't understand them because I don't deal with that. But the way it was explained to me was like, if you're scared of being a serial killer or being gay, you have to write down, I'm gay, like, or I'm a serial killer. Like, cause those are your fears. And then you look at them, but can you imagine like, no, I get why you don't like the list method. Yeah. And it's, but like, imagine like your wife doing your laundry and being like, hey, Cy, could we, could we have a conversation? Yeah. Um, and and, and, and you can do it, you can do it both ways. I think you could write, I am not gay and, or I am not a serial killer, but uh, that right. might That's be more like troubling. worse for people That's to more find. Troubling. That's you're trying like, to convince yourself that you're not. Yeah, one of them's an affirmation. One of them is like, who are you lying to right now, Sai? At least your husband's confident. I mean, if he's like a wishy-washy, that's not attractive. Be a confidence stabber, you yeah. know, if anything. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I have a question because I would assume, I yep. don't know, you probably know much more than I do, obviously, but I'd imagine a lot of OCD does stem from a traumatic event. And so when, when you're treating your OCD, are you also treating your trauma uh, simultaneously? Is that the same thing? Therapy? Is that a different therapy? Because it's interesting that you connected with the PTSD symptoms at one point. Um, and I'm wondering if there's overlap there because I'm imagining a lot of people, I don't know, are people born with OCD? Is it always a traumatic event that causes it? 
Um, you know, I, I think like with a lot of mental health issues, it's it varies. I yeah. think there are probably people who have had, you know, there are kids who have really, really bad OCD and there are peoples that get triggered by life incidents and trauma. And it, I think it can be all over the map. I, As far as does fixing the OCD help the trauma, you know, that's a really, really interesting question. I think the bigger question is like, what is the trauma? And and not, is it really trauma? Because it obviously is, you went through it. But, you know, because there's, there's a person, like losing someone and having an anxiety issue and all these things, some people could come out on the other side of those and it would be, they would be tough memories. They would be really, really difficult memories, but they wouldn't stick with them in the same way someone who has dealt with OCD and other issues. So uh, just the idea that the incidents themselves are trauma is such an interesting one. Mm. And I don't, I don't know that I have the answer. My thought process through therapy is, I hate thinking about that shit. It really stresses me out. But if I don't figure out a way to be able to have those thoughts come into my brain and not affect me the way that they they currently do or they have in the past, then I'm never going to get past this stuff and I'm never going to get to a, a, the point that I, that I need to or want to. So mm-hmm. from that standpoint, I, I would guess, yeah, it, it certainly... Is it going to heal how scary that night was where I had the drug issue or is it going to help me process losing a family member? You know, no. And then also, yes, I Mm, guess that's, that was a really wishy-washy answer, but it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't exactly know. I, I, my hope is that as I get through this process, those past feelings and events will just they'll be less powerful. And when I think about losing my sister or losing a family member, I'll think about it in a maybe still sad, but a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've, I just want to ask you one more thing and then we got to wrap up, but, um, what did it look like to show your now wife? Like when you guys first started dating, like how did you open up about your OCD? Did she notice you doing unusual behaviors? Was it something you came out about right away or like, how did that work? Um, so my wife is a hero. She sounds awesome from uh, the podcast. Say what? I said, she sounds awesome from the podcast. Yeah, she's, she's a really great lady, but it's, it's been an interesting and difficult thing. So when, because when we first started dating, we met in Los Angeles and I was this, I was very good at hiding my OCD. So I, I, I think a little ways into it, like if she mentioned me doing a little bit of wacky shit, yeah. I was like, ah, I have OCD. And it, there, well, it, there wasn't much to it, Yeah, right? As far as a conversation. So she dated this guy who had a career and who was happy and positive and and lived a, a really active life and that's who she fell in love with that's who she agreed to marry and then when my back after my back went south and the OCD really started to struggle when she moved here to Minnesota it was just like I'm still the same person I was but it's been a battle. And so, and she, she was a, always a really independent girl. Yeah. And we were a pretty independent couple. And 
she had to take on this whole other role of, you know, helping me with shit. Like, because w- when you combine that with some of the, the back issues and the, the chronic pain issues, like she would work a day of work and I'd, I'd still be doing my things, but, you know, she would often come home and she would cook dinner and my OCD would be going crazy. And she, you know, she does a good job not to enable the OCD, but at the same time, like, if I were to, if I'm having a long day and I were to go to try to do laundry, woof. I mean, that oh. is going to be really, really difficult. So yeah. she, she, it's, I, well, I also want to say this because I think anybody, anytime people talk about their partner helping them through stuff, they have, like, they tell this amazing, like, they want to shine their, their wife or their husband in this amazing manner that's basically summed up like a fucking Twitter caption so everybody <laughs> can share it and say, this is how you respect a partner. This, I'll be honest, it's been fucking really, really hard. Yeah. It has been really hard for her that she has felt, you know, uh, alone at times. She has felt, uh, she has felt, like she doesn't live the exact life she wants to live at times. I have felt like she doesn't respect me and doesn't care about me enough. And, and I'll get frustrated at like when I need help with her, she'll have shitty body language mm-hmm. and I'll be fucking furious. I'm like, you realize having that body language, how much worse that makes me given the situation I'm always in. So it's like there have been this, this process that's been so difficult for us as human beings to deal with, but it, it, we 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 are constantly working on it, yeah. and that that's why she's a hero. Any anybody who tells you so, if you like right now, if you are struggling with OCD or depression or anything, and you go online and you read one of these fucking quotes about somebody's significant other being perfect, that's horseshit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, to, when I, when totally. when I say she's a hero. She's in it with me. Yeah. There are times when I'm very mad at her. There's, you know, we got, before getting married, we got pushed to the point of a breakup. It's been a, a hard deal, yeah. but we are a team and we're in it together and she genuinely cares about me and I care about her. So she deserves a lot of credit for going on a journey that a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just, I wanted to make sure that I, I wasn't doing that thing that I hate where people <laughs> wrote, and then there's somebody listening to your guys' podcast who has OCD, and they're like, how come my husband is mad sometimes? <laughs> like, well, you're awesome yeah. for being so honest about yeah, it. Yeah, this and was amazing. Yeah, God, you're such a great guest. I knew you would be, and it's I feel like people listening even who don't have OCD are going to just learn so much and people who do have it are going to be really grateful that you opened up so much. Yeah. Well, and I just, I think, you know, like I said, it's, I, I was, I've talked about it a couple of times, but I'm always pretty nervous because I, I try to be aware that, you know, there are people out there who can't leave their house. Yeah. Like there are, pe- there are people who out there who get like trapped in a, an OCD cycle and they spend three hours trying to do something. And, and I, I just always want to be cognizant of people who are struggling less and more than me because it's, you know, everybody lives kind of their own, yeah. their own journey, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything that you'd like to direct our listeners to who might be struggling with OCD who haven't like sought help yet? Uh, anything that like helped you in the beginning? Um, you know, uh, I'm a pretty big believer in cognitive behavioral therapy. Awesome. And I, I think the big thing with therapists are, you know, you, 
if you've seen one that you didn't like, that mean that doesn't mean you won't like another one. Yeah. And and there's so many different types of therapy. There's so many different styles. And just the concept behind cognitive behavioral therapy, changing the way your brain processes stuff, I think can be so incredible and powerful. And if you find someone who is willing to work on that with you, and 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 they exist everywhere. So I'm a big like when things are tough. I always kind of honker down, like I'll change my diet. I'll try to, I'll do everything I can, you know, exercise, like even with a bad back, I'm trying to do stairs for exercise, like everything you can possibly do health-wise I've done. And I've just felt like if you're motivated and you can find a cognitive behavioral therapist, that to me is a, at the very least, a really good starting point. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you guys, please go subscribe to the Middle of Summer podcast. You, it's, it's so good. You will not regret I, it. Listen from episode one, and you will get sucked in immediately. Yeah, yeah don't, don't. We, I was so pumped to come on your show because I love you guys' show. Oh, uh, I'll be, so. I'm sitting in the car listening to the codependent one, being like, I should shut this off because I don't want to <laughs> feel a certain way about myself. Uh, <laughs> But I was like, uh, I was like, it'll be fun to promote our show too. And then I was like, the last two weeks have been like, if anybody starts <laughs> on this this week or next week, baby they're gonna dick. be like, what the fuck is this? Hashtag so. baby dick. Yeah, go start from the beginning. It's ser- like seriously become my favorite comedy podcast. It's so good uh, with Cy Amundsen and Chad Daniels. Cy, is there anything else you want to plug? Oh no, no way! I'm uh, <laughs> I'm all plugged out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so thank much you. for this doing this show. Awesome. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Oh my God. Isn't he the best? He is the greatest. <laughs> he was cracking me the fuck up before we started recording. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I can get through this without laughing every five my seconds. His face hurts. I adore him. He and Chad Daniels make me laugh so hard every week on their podcast. It was really cool to have him on ours. Uh, yeah. I hope that you guys enjoyed the interview with Sai. Dude, and he looks like Cam. He looks like he a looks blonde a- version of Cam yes. with longer hair. It was yes. freaking me out. I didn't really realize <laughs> that until we started recording because uh, we did a video <laughs> session with Sai. And I was like, oh, my God, he does look like Cam. Oh, my um, God. So we want to do our iTunes review of the episode. You guys know that we've started doing this on uh, the main show. And we really love it. You guys have been super sweet. Uh, do you want to read it, though? Yeah, this is from Destiny143 Marie. says, this podcast is something I found over a year ago, and I've been hooked ever since. Even on episodes where the title makes me think I may not relate to the subject, I still end up enjoying the episode and learning something, or at least get a good laugh. <laughs> uh, keep it up, ladies. P.S. Patreon is the best $5 I've ever spent. So worth the extra content. Oh, Thank you so much, Destiny. That's the nicest. So very sweet. And yeah, if you want a chance... Or uh, you know, a chance to get featured on the show with your review, head over to uh, the old iTunes situation yes. and leave us one. <laughs> you do sound like such a grandma, the iTunes head situation, on, whatever that is. over. Push yeah. a couple buttons. <laughs> Please leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us. Uh, and like she said, Patreon's best five bucks she's ever spent. It really is. Uh, you do get a lot for just $5. You get two bonus episodes. We just recorded a new Patreon uh, right before this oh, episode yeah. was signed. And boy, did Delaney... <laughs> Just when you think you've learned everything there is to know about Delaney and her body parts, 
she opens a brand new door and uh, you guys don't want to miss it. <laughs> I'm God. serious. Oh, uh, well, we, uh, we're we going to skip our usual segments this episode. We don't have Tay with us and uh, unfortunately we're, we're short on studio time today. So we're just going to do our, our show dates and plugs and yeah. wrap this one up. Uh, so this episode comes out on October 28th. I hope you guys have an awesome Halloween. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to be at Destination Kohler in um, Wisconsin on November 9th. And then I've got a bunch of other shows like around LA and on the road. If you go to KelseyCook.com, you can get tickets to all my shows there. And uh, I believe there's a new Rissa Fury episode that will be airing today. And I've got so many good guests coming up. We just recorded a few more. We've got like the Sklar Brothers and Nick oh, nice. Um So much fun. So if you haven't awesome. already checked it out, go check out Rissa Fury on YouTube. Fantastic. And I'll just say, uh, you know, if you want to work with me on, you know, a project idea you have or a business or you're trying to figure out what the fuck you want to do with your life, uh, hit me up um, and I might be able to help you out with my uh, doing it with Delaney Creative Consulting Services. I've absolutely loved this. And um, you can email me, DelaneyFisher at gmail.com or message me on Instagram just to see um, if we might be a good fit. I'll send you the information. Yeah. Delaney will help you. Like, she's <laughs> so good at this. Oh, it's yeah, sweet. pretty amazing. I love yeah. doing it. It's a blast. Yeah. I'm just so proud of all my clients. Everybody's crushing it. Aww. Like, they blow my mind. I mean, people are getting their first paid clients for their consulting businesses. And they're getting shared by huge Instagram accounts. Like, their artwork is getting shared. Aww. And they're getting mentioned by, like, influencers they love and all this stuff. And I'm just, I'm just so blown away by um you know the the steps everybody's taking so it's been a really cool experience that's awesome i'm very proud of you um (laughs) all right you guys well uh we're gonna go but we love you and we'll talk to you guys next week Bye. bye Thank you guys so much for listening to Self Helpless. We love you guys so much. There are a few different ways you can support our show. You can leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us move up the charts. You can also tell a friend about the show, post it on social media, and you can join our Patreon. It's where you can get bonus episodes from us and lots of really fun content, ways to interact with the show. That's at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. And if you go to selfhelplesspodcast.com, that's where you can get links to all of our individual stuff. Delaney, where can people find you? You can find me at DelaneyFisher.com. You can find uh, the online courses there, one-on-one creative consulting, watch my comedy special, and find Dicks by Delaney there. Perfect. Tay, where can people find you? You can find me on ttomcomedy.com for tour dates and links to everything else social media-wise. I am at Taylor Tomlinson on Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. You guys can find me at KelseyCook.com for all my tour dates. My Instagram is at KelseyCookComedy. Twitter is at KelseyCook. Uh, please be sure to watch my foosball web series on YouTube called Wrist of Fury. I've had Delaney and Taylor on together. It was such a fun episode. And you can download and buy my album Savor It on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you find comedy albums. We also want to give a shout out to our amazing producer, Lauren Mahoney, and our amazing editor, Emma Erdbrink. We love you guys, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.